Welcome to the Original Doll Iconography. I am your host, James Rodriguez. On the Original Doll Iconography, I unpackage music with the people who create it, and at the same time, we give back to charity. For more information, go to www.theoriginaldoll.com. And as with every episode of The Original Doll, any audio recording, ripping, stealing is strictly prohibited in every country in the world. So if you see anything leaked, please report it to the webmaster. A big shout out to my Patreon community. Thank you so much. You all are the reason why this show keeps going. Now we're going to get right to the show. Our next guest has worked and collaborated with Aliyah, Keith Sweat, Rihanna, Britney Spears, Maya, Drake, Tony Braxton, Brandy, and other icons. Her songwriting has gone number one, been Grammy nominated, received BMI awards, and more. Today we celebrate the iconography of Tracy Hale. Everyone, I would like to welcome you back to the Original Dial with James Rodriguez. I'm your host on the Original Dial. I unpackage music with the people who create it. We go through all their iconography, and at the same time, we give back to charity. So for every question a guest answers, we get items donated to those in need. We help out women and children at domestic abuse shelters, homeless LGBT plus teens, and more. For more information, go to our website, www.theoriginaldial. Now, today, we are joined by songwriter, vocalist, comedian, and amazing human being. Tracy Hale. Tracy, thank you so much for being here today. I'll take that comedian thing. Let me tell you. I'll take that <laughs> comedian thing and go on and take that to the stage. How about that? Okay. <laughs> Everything you touch turns to platinum. Here we uh-huh. go. All right. I love it. All right. So kind of what I want to do is because so many people have known you and this is what's great is I got so many letters of love from people who listen to the music that you've collaborated on those those iconic songs and today we're going to be talking about music from brandy britney rihanna i mean you were you're the queen of working with solo names maya all these people you know what i mean i didn't even think about that you think about everything james that's awesome 100 percent, and i got some of these right here behind me exactly but so what i want to do really quickly to kind of let the listeners know who you are is let's rewind how did music come to you you know when was that first time music really came to you oh my gosh I think it was all during well you know all my life really but when I really started doing it was high school and then I opted to not go to college and go and get in a a band a cover band and Mm -hmm. I was like hey let's go sing in a band and you know all guys I was the only girl and we toured and you know, pretty much like the USO tours and all that stuff. Um, and um, um, I just like to sing. And so that's all as far as I was taking it. Yeah, I wrote a little bit, you know, on the side, but not really thinking that that was my thing, you know, but uh, I sang and I wanted to, my aspirations were not big. I wanted to be a background singer. And that was it. That was all I was trying to do. I'm like, I'm going to go to Atlanta and I'm going to see who's doing background. I'm going to sing background. And that was it. (laughs) That was all I had to, you know, my ambition. Um, And as that developed and I got here and everything, I was in music, of course, singing background, got that wish. And then I just started writing. And one of the other background singers said, hey, you write. And I said, yeah, right. And turns out, hey, I'm a writer. 
I didn't know this. So you got to try stuff. See, yeah. <laughs> Just, mm-hmm. I know. I didn't know, James. I didn't know. And I think this is the coolest part is that so many people that I've been able to talk to that I've, you know, I've had the privilege of talking to like yourself is it's usually never, oh, in first grade, I was sent to music school to learn this, that, like almost everyone I talked to was like, it just kind of, not that I happened upon it, but I was just doing, cause I loved singing and I loved this. And I didn't realize what I was doing was this. I didn't realize when I'm in a cover band, let's connect and give people what they want. What you get to see firsthand the songs that people knew right away. You got to see when they jumped in the chorus. Yes, exactly. I did. I've, I guess you learn how to craft a song when you're singing them. And I really didn't know that that's what I was learning. You're right. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it was crazy. Cause you learn how to, you learn how a hit song should go when you're singing the hits, the mm-hmm. covers, you know? So, yep. yeah. And this is, and the, the great thing is you being a vocalist, what I've, what I've talked to so many different people about, and we have a ton of, these letters of love, the amount of times that people are like, James, I bought the digital version of the song because like they bought the CDs, but they're like, we bought the digital version of Maya Ryden because they're like, we put the headphones on because I always say, play it now with the te- with the technologies catching up a bit. So you're supposed to hear all what you're supposed to hear. And people are like, Tracy's voice is on this song. I hear that. Th- and it's like, yes, she is. Everything that, you know, what I loved is that your voice adds so much depth to these songs. And it's not just one vocalist. It's all of these artists. You've been able to bring something different in like even just the choruses of it. How did you feel then the first time you got to hear your voice on another artist's song? I felt I felt like this. I feel like you're getting the best of both worlds. You're getting to actually sing what you like to sing mm-hmm. and you're getting it right too. And people are hearing you. They don't know they're hearing you, but mm-hmm. they're hearing you. And and you're bringing your own personality to the song, which is which is cool. I love to be on people's records. And, you know, sometimes I wouldn't even mention, but I was in there, you know. Oh. So mm-hmm. That's awesome. Now, I like that. I really do. I love this. All right. Now, we have a question and a letter of love from Sebastian in France. James, I listen to the original doll all the time. I learned so much about songwriting and saying thank you to people who make music. I saw you mention Tracy Hale, and I love every song she made. She made my favorite song by Brandy, Top of the World, and my favorite song by Britney called Selfish. Please tell her I play her music when I have parties and all my friends know her songs. We dance and we sing so loud. Thank you, Tracy Hale, for your work. Thank you, Sebastian. <laughs> that is so cool. That is the coolest thing. Are you, all the letters going to be like this? This is awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And the great thing is, this is one of those things. This is somebody in France. And I point this out that we get letters from countries where English isn't even like the national language, that your music has been able to connect with people. And not just that, these people have chosen. And I mean, Brandy was in the the, the 90s, you know, late 90s. We're talking about 25 years ago that that these songs were out there and people love it so much that they want to reach out and want to thank the people that did it because it, it sticks with them. And I think post 2020, I think people started going back and going, this is the golden time of music. That's when yeah. they and they would go back and I would tell people, I go, you know what? Crack open those CDs if you still have them. Buy that vinyl, get that in there. Because I always say, even if you don't have a CD player, you have to crack those things open. Look at the liner notes. The amount of people that have said, James, I bought CD A because I liked that song by that artist, but the nine other songs in there, I didn't like. What can I do? I go, 
who's the producer? Who's the songwriter? Follow them. Lo and behold, they go to the next album that this person was a part of. They're like, I like that song too. I was like, chase the songwriters. Easily enough. Find them. So That's so cool. We have Nate from Hungary. James, please interview Tracy Colleen Hale. Oh my gosh, he did not say my full government name. He he (laughs) middle-named you. He middle-named you. (laughs) Tracy Colleen Hale. Okay, I love it. Come on. (laughs) She's someone I want to learn about how she got started in writing music. She's so good. What was her first song that she ever wrote that got sold? He's basically saying, like, what's the first song you had? Thank you, James. Love you, Tracy Colleen Hale. You are very good. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Tracy Colleen Hale. Oh, my goodness. I love that. Uh, my mom would be so proud that you. <laughs> so, um, For a second, you're like, did I just get in trouble? I got middle exactly. names. Exactly. <laughs> okay. I'm like, wait a bit. What I do? Um, uh, my f- very first song. Well, I guess you said, how did you, what, what was the question? How do you get started? The, the music part we already answered in the first part. Like, how did music come to you and how did you get into songwriting? Well, my first song was written. Um, I had just gotten off of tour with Aaliyah. Ooh, um, I love her. Yes, I love her. And love, love, love her. Um, still do. A girl that was singing background too with me, she had a deal. A, a publishing deal and she wanted somebody to write with. And so right after tour, we stayed out in LA and my very first uh, job was with uh, Rodney Jerkins. And we did um, my very first song that I wrote there, Dr. Doolittle soundtrack, Ray J. Why I Lie. That's what the song was called. Why I Lie. Um, mm-hmm. And it goes, if you, if you, want to hear that one it's on the credits when the credits run at the end of end of dr doolittle that is where it is That was that was it. Now and then after that, it was like a little string of songs. Like right after I got off a tour with Aaliyah, and it was that one, "Angel in the Skies" for Brandy, "Top of the World" for Brandy, and it was another one I forget. But it was that was a little string of of like four months work, mm-hmm. and then I came back to Atlanta. So those were my first few songs that I wrote that was professionally received. There you go. <laughs> I love this. And that gets right into our question for Angel in Disguise. See, baby, my love is true. And most importantly, still I love you. Jeffrey from the UK, James, please talk about the vocal Bible Brandy song, Angel in Disguise. I think this elevated the discussion of Brandy's vocal and ability to make a song and make it her own. 
Can you ask Tracy Hale about making the song? It is by far my favorite Brandy song ever. Also, did Tracy know there was an option for this to be an official single? Thank you so much. That's Jeffrey the UK. Jeffrey the UK. Um, I did not know it was going to be a single. And I actually still kind of on the fence about it. I think the, the public picked that single. I don't think the record company picked that single. So it was just kind of on the radio. And James, I had signed a bum, bum, bum deal with a person. So whenever I heard that on the radio, mm. it, would make, it would give me so much angst. Um because I just knew it was a bad thing and, and I wasn't getting anything for it. On the flip side of that, still my very favorite, when people ask me, what's the fav- your most favorite song? That's it, Angel Disguise. Um, my favorite thing, Brandy, Brandy's still my favorite um, female vocalist. Mm-hmm. And I got to work with my favorite female vocalist. So how many people have to say that? So, um, yeah, she's still my favorite voice. She, her voice is so butter. It's so buttery and and milky and wonderful. And she can do anything with it. And uh, so I am so honored that she even was, her voice was even on anything that I've written, you know, so or been a part of. So that was the coolest thing. So, yeah. Well, and I think that was one of those things because like I am right around like, uh, Brandy's age and I remember I didn't know how great her voice was I just knew I loved her I love that because I just thought she's singing easy this is so easy because you don't realize that there's the simplicity of what she does but there's the complexity behind mm-hmm. it and the fact that she could have easily just been a TV star a, a teen you know princess of R&B and pop yeah, and everything exactly. yeah. mm-hmm. but she paved her own way. And I think now over the years, I think she's getting more and more credit for having like that, the vocal Bible. She is a student of voice. She's a student of harmonies and Mm -hmm. it's crazy. And by the way, you mentioned like so many people talk about their first publishing deal. And it is, I've not heard many people who said their first publishing deal worked out great it's it's especially when you sign to a person instead of a company it's not (laughs) it's not good it's not good okay it's amazing Mm -mm -mm. it's it's it's, this part's insane oh well now to the happier parts exactly Shane, (laughs) shane from ireland james can you ask the fabulous miss tracy how joe got brought on to the song and why didn't they say featuring Joe since he's all over the song? It's one of the best compositions ever. You know what? I believe that um, now this happened way before I actually got there off the, the bus to get there. But that he was on that track when I actually got there. So mm. I don't know how he got on that track, but it was already it was almost like Joe was a part of the track. You know uh, what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It was like they sampled him. Almost, and it just laced him all the way through the track, which is just made so much, got you know, gave it so much flavor. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, when he starts to think, and I love you, baby, and, you know, I'm like, yes, I don't know where he is. I didn't see him. I didn't, I didn't meet him. I didn't see him in the studio. But dag on it, it worked. It worked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God bless Rodney for that. 
So. so good. If you're a fan of Brandy, check out my interview with Shelly Pikin, where we talk about her work with Brandy. And don't forget to join me on Instagram, the dot original dot doll and join the community at the original doll.com. Now back to the show. Now we have a question from LT in Albania about in the car interlude. Original Doll James, can you ask Tracy, how does making an interlude like in the car work? Do they know going in they are making an interlude or is it an incomplete song? Actually, that's a good question. In general, when you're making interludes, is it okay, we just need that little because I always think of my my one of my favorite you know artists of all time janet jackson and jam and lewis with those interludes you know oh my god interludes of life yes the interludes of life but yeah that's um yeah usually you go in when you're a prolific producer <laughs> i have to say that uh you put in a, 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 an album a project is a body of work it's actually a whole story mm-hmm. so when that that ties the songs together. It makes it a story. It's not like your, your album's not abstract and nothing's really connected. It don't have no kind of, you know, glue. That's the glue. We, we the interludes are the glue that makes, tells the story, you know what I'm saying? And gets to the next song about whatever. So yeah, definitely done on purpose. It wasn't a whole, definitely wasn't a whole song, but um, in the car, was you know listening to music and then what came on after that i think was that dun, 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 dun. I, f- I forgot what the song was but i remember i hear it in my head right now but it was jamming you know what i'm saying because it was just on in the background and and it turned it up and it actually turned up on the actual album so that was pretty good i was like yeah that's cool <laughs> <laughs> you're like i'm okay with that well yeah. i think the other thing is so many people always ask, because we talk about songwriters and how it's important to respect songwriters, pay songwriters and everything, and how little songwriters end up getting. But how does an interlude work? Is it considered, you know, like with points and things like that, is that its own kind of composition? Or you know what I mean? Like, we've never talked about that sort of thing before. How does that work when you have these interludes does that get treated like it's the it's still, same song? Yeah, Do you know it's like still a, a, it's still something that's written out? So I would imagine that it still gets um done. I, I have I've never written an interlude. I've been on an interlude. I was on an interlude. That was one of my first work when I came to uh, Atlanta. I was um I did an interlude for Keith Sweat, um and that was um 
me and him talking. And, you know, and at that time I just got paid for it and that was it. But, you know, I didn't really write it. It was just to go in here and say this. And that was it. So don't know how much, I don't know how really interludes work, but I would imagine since it is written out, people, you know, some of them are written out, but some of them are just really off the cuff, you know, or just the, the recording still going, you know, mm-hmm. After the song is over or before the song begins, you know, you're, you're talking. So, yeah. Well, and what's been great is when when we talk about these songs and especially like the music that you we're talking about with you is these albums. There was a sequencing. There was a purpose for the order. There was a story told. And we don't see that as often nowadays. I don't ever and- see it. really. Mm. I don't see it. I don't ever, I don't, I've really never saw it that, since then, since that time. It's mm-hmm. been like where it's this, where the album is just like super, like glue almost, you know what I'm saying? And it ties into each other and, you know, Renaissance, they tie, it ties, it keeps you going. And that's about this, you know, in, in today's time, that's about the only thing I can probably do. She's somebody that I bring up and even like Taylor Swift, where there's that story in there. Man. man. And, and the crazy thing is like, I was talking to uh, Jive Records, Britney Spears' A&R for the first four albums, Steve Lunt. And I was like, you know, explain like the sequencing. And he goes, by the end, you want kind of a calm down song. Cause then with the CD or cause that you want to go back to the beginning open up strong he's like that was the whole point of it jam and lewis used to do that all the time anytime any place being at the end or funny how time flies which i love at the end going right back around we're going back i love it i love it all right so then here we go we have cindy from canada wants a question she's asking a question about top of the world Cindy from Canada wants a question. She's asking a question about top of the world. Hi, James, I did what you ask and look at my CD books and I keep seeing Tracy Hale in so much of the songs that I love. Can you ask how she helped create this song? When did she know there was going to be other remixes with rappers? Thank you. And does a rapper help a song on radio? That's actually a good question. How would adding remixes or rappers, how would that help a song? That helps because if they're blown up, it's it's almost like they usher the song into the the radio. You know what I'm saying? And some people might just like the rapper. Some people are rap fans. Some people are R&B fans or pop fans. So it just merges the two together and you get the best of, of, of both worlds. And yeah, you got to pick the right rapper and... Um, yeah, top of the world, um, Mace. I think at that time, Mace was dating Brandy, so that's how he got that. Yeah, that's that was they were dating at that point. Yeah, for it to come back right now, Burner Boy, um, Burner Boy just uh got sitting on top of the world. He took the he took the whole thing, it sounds so good, and he mm-hmm. just rapped over it. So it's like a research. These these 90 songs are coming back. And I love it because for, like you just said, writers don't get really 
you know, we don't get paid as much as people think we get paid. We're still fighting for that. And so when something comes back around, like sitting on top of the world, I couldn't be more happy. It it, it may be a good Christmas, you know, <laughs> it, it might be Christmas. Gonna be yep. this so, you know, uh, because you got, you know, after a while, those older 90s songs, when they first came out, they were making you, the writer, like thousands of dollars, pretty much. Mm-hmm. As it goes down, they don't play them as much. So because we get we get money off of airplay. So after that, the money can go down to hundreds every mm-hmm. quarter. If that, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. if that, um, depending on how much they're replaying your song, you know, or spending your song on, you know, XM and stuff. And we already know XM don't play, you know, the, the, you know, the streaming services, they don't pay, they don't care if they a billion times, you're still not going to get no money. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. but so, yeah, so I can't be happier when songs come back like Top of the World, uh, Insecure, Issa Rae, she used um, a case of the X. I was like, look. I was so happy and people were calling me because, you know, I, I was like, they were calling me. I said, what, what's going on? Oh, my God. She used case of the X at the end of the, the end of the season. I was like, what? you know, and it's just amazing because that really counts. It really does. Well, and that's to your point is that you were able to make music at the time where CD sales were there. People were buying exactly. these and and you were getting paid. Then with technology changing and these contracts, things like that, not updating and and that's why we have like the these these strikes that we do because it's not that no one's making money separation between what that person at the head of you know this thing is making versus what exactly. they're paying and they're utilizing your skills at your words exactly. to make money exactly. and that's part of why I you know I created this years ago because I said let me advocate because I'm not a songwriter I have nothing and I go because if it's a songwriter talking to another songwriter, I feel like people are like, oh, they're just, I'm like, I have no skin in this game. Whether right. your song sells a million or sells two copies, doesn't Maybe. it doesn't impact me. So I go, but let me honor these because so many people were connected to your music at their highest of highs, their lowest of lows, those nostalgic moments. And let's go back. Let's bring these back. So people ask these questions like, James, I forgot about that song. Wait, or wait, Selfish? that's a case of the X wait that's top of where people are connecting it because for the longest time unless you were a liner geek like me people didn't know who that was and then now on streaming you very rarely see the correct credits in there if they even have any if they even have it yeah Mm -hmm. and to me it's it's just it's it's bothersome because not only are you you're, it's like erasure of erasing your, your, your and I, I tell my kids not my kids but you know I teach too I teach um songwriting too sometimes so so yeah I do um and I have like one-on-one uh sessions with people and I tell them your credit is worth so much more than the money because mm-hmm. when they see your name they're going to want you to do it again your money is going to run out but that credit lives forever so when you don't get your credit it's all bad. It's really all bad because they don't know you did it. People don't know you did it. So mm-hmm. how are you going to get other work? <laughs> if mm-hmm. no one knows it's you, they're not going to know what you've done. And it's a Janet, what have you done for me lately? Hopping out for a quick second. If you have a favorite recording artist, producer, songwriter, go ahead and go to the original scroll down to the bottom and send a letter of love to them. 
you may hear me asking them questions and reading your letter of love on here, www.theoriginaldial.com. Now back to the show. How did you get brought into the Britney Spears realm? Because we're talking about selfish. So anything that had anything to do with Stargate and that whole movement, um, bless her, bless her, bless her, um, Esther Dean pulled me in. So that's how I got involved with that. That whole thing, that whole, that whole weekend was Britney Spears. That was the Rihanna song. And that was the Sean Kingston song. Um, so, so those, that, that, that whole, I don't, I think we stayed there maybe a week, maybe. And actually, all those songs were my reintroduction into the business after a three-year hiatus. So all those three, those three songs. So I knew God wanted me to do what I needed to do because it shouldn't have been that easy to slip back in. But but I had awesome friends like um, you know, Esther Dean that just made sure that. I didn't go into obscurity, you know, fall off the face of the earth because I could have, mm. and I wanted to really bad. I really did. I wanted to just like, oh, this music thing is so changed since I got in it that I don't think I really want to do this anymore. You know, um, I really, but, but I didn't know what else to do, James. I really didn't. I didn't, I didn't know what else I, I write songs. So you know, after I, my kid got, you know, a little divorce and uh, my kid was three after he got to a age where I said, OK, you know, it was like six. -ish. I said, OK, you know, we got to get back in this thing and start taking calls again. And and it happened pretty um, easily, which made me feel that that was what I'm supposed to be doing and purposely walking, you know. And so that's that's what it was. So, but that Britney, yeah, Britney was one of those, you know, I grouped those I grouped those songs together because that was me getting my feet back wet again. So And that is not I mean, taking ultimately a you get by with a little you get by with a little help from your help friends. Help from your friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> but and, but this this is the part that's amazing is that time off you coming back and not just coming back and go, I feel good about this song, but having songs that were being cut by huge artists of that moment. Do you know, like, it isn't like this is an artist 30 years into the career. This is like, you're working with people that are still at the top of the game right there and mm -hmm. people are wanting them and everything. Mm -hmm. So that whole week, weekend, whatever it may be, what was the directive or anything like specifically for like Britney Spears because I know oftentimes they're like Britney is looking for let's say ballads or they're looking for just this is going to be an unabashed dance album what sort of kind of directives were you given I be I believe that Stargate already had these tracks set mm -hmm. for these people 
I believe. Um, because when we when we went into the rooms, they were already like tracks that were already made and we're writing for this. You know what I'm saying? They tell you what we're writing for. So you gotta kind of get in that mindset, you know what I'm saying? Ain't no need to write no song for like don't ain't no need to write no Mary J. Blige song for no Britney Spears. You know what I'm saying? You can't Ain't no need in writing, you know, you got you can't mix the the situation. So you gotta know who you're writing for. And so they send you in there with that. And um you just go in a room and try to get into that headspace pretty much, a Britney hair headspace. And you do your homework and you go back and you you listen to stuff and try to be a little different than that, but still Britney, you know. Gotta be Britney. Well, and the great thing was I, I interviewed Frankie Storm a few times and she talked about getting in the mindset of Rihanna versus, you know, Britney. And she said with Britney, there was always this like, you were always having a good time walking that funky line about you don't want to be graphic in anything. You mm-hmm. want to just have fun because people want to have fun with it. And at the time, you know, especially leading up to Femme Fatale, it was dance 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 you weren't hearing Mm -hmm. a ton of these mega ballads by any artist at that time Mm -hmm. so the the tracks were created okay these are the tracks for britney spears from there they're like okay britney's gonna cut this was selfish the only one of the britney Spears that That she actually recorded okay yeah that was the only one we did so that's pretty cool because it was the only one we wrote and it got on in like I don't know who else came and if somebody else might be, maybe have came came after us and wrote some more songs with with Stargate um and got on Britney too but that was the only one we did which it landed booyah <laughs> booyah <laughs> you know and it's and it's insane. this is at she was still delivering music that was advancing the scene because she was working with people like and at the time there's different producers and things like that but stargate and having that euro dance mood where they always create something that is so just funky that you're like what What, is this what was the song that she really what was that song that my favorite song was womanizer Mm -hmm. omg like i loved womanizer i was like who you know i'm a liner mm-hmm. person too so i'm like who wrote this this is this is amazing like i love it so that was like my one of my favorites too so like yeah you know that it's gonna you know get cut or you find out that it's cut by britney at what point let's say you're working on background vocals or anything what do you do differently when you let's say do background vocals for maya versus britney is there anything you change about the songs or the artists that you collaborate with well you got to get that voice because you don't really want people to be really picking you out even though Mm -hmm. people do know my voice like maya i think we have me and maya have a really similar voice so um it was so easy you know to blend b2k you know i'm saying they were just getting started so I, I can hear me when I tell you I can hear me out, but they because they were just that was they were babies, man. It was just getting started.
so I could hear me laced all through there, you know. But it, I had a kid, I had a kid-like voice. So the Sammies and the, you know, all that stuff, I sounded like them so I can blend. The key, James, is to blend. You got to blend, you know. <laughs> you, can't, you can't be sticking out like a sore thumb, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, and so that's what I, and that's what I liked. That's what I liked about background vocals because the art of singing background is something to be said for all these background singers that were are on these records back then. You know, it's so they 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 make the they make the record, man. It's so it's so mm-hmm. good. You know, they do a lot before the artist even gets there mm-hmm. because we would have actually done a demo, mm-hmm. a demo of a song, and what they do. Is they killing and keep the, the if the background vocals was already fly, they like, hey, we're gonna keep them. I'm gonna come in and do the the uh, leads, and you know, and we're good. You know what I'm saying? We save time. We already mm-hmm. save time. I might do a they might my might, you know, or somebody, the artist might do a line over top of that, you know, just mm-hmm. to put their voices in there and blend it in. But hey, well, that's how it and works. I, so many people got really upset they're like wait why does this why did this demo why is that songwriter trying to sound like this artist rihanna or something like that we trying to sell a song man <laughs> we trying to sell a song <laughs> we like can you picture yourself singing this that's the part of the pitching the song where it's like people don't get it because if i am a, a songwriter and i'm gonna you know I'm going to make a, a demo that sounds like Adele, but I'm going to pitch it to Drake. That makes no sense whatsoever. It makes no sense, man. It makes no sense. You can't give a big singer like Adele a big a Britney song. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you, and, and verse vice versa. You can't get, you know, a, an Adele song to Britney. It's just, it's just who you got to know who you're writing for, pretty much. You know, and so many people don't realize that it's the the background vocalist since like the beginning of time and pop R and B everything. Cool. There are always voices. There have always been voices on there. Not every single song ever made is just that one artist. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. single one has that. There, when you go through those liner notes and you say, "Wait, I like this tone," or "I like the way this mix sounds," you can go through and go, "Oh, this is really cool." And that's why with this though, with the new headsets and everything, is mm-hmm. I go. Now take a listen, because if you listen to Brandy back to Maya, back to this artist, you're like, oh, I like that. And it's there's always something a little bit different. But you also know, oh, that voice is complimenting the leads, that mm. voice. And and to me, it was just interesting how many people were like, that's a terrible singer if they can't, you know, if they have to have other people sing their de-. And I'm no, like, if not, they- it has nothing to do with that at all. What, what it does is add texture. Mm-hmm. That's all. It's a texture thing. You know, that's what I've been told. How about that? Uh, <laughs> I've been told it's a texture thing, and yeah, that's um, and that's the that's an art. It's a whole art. You should definitely pat those background singers on the back because it's a whole art to that. And I remind people when you go to see most of these artists in concert, they're not singing with themselves. They usually have some background vocalist on stage with them. Absolutely. Hopping up for a quick second. If you're enjoying this, make sure that you rate this on your preferred streaming platform, whether it's Spotify, Apple, and don't forget to subscribe and follow so that you get notified as soon as these episodes get released. And then join me on my community page on Patreon. Just go to theoriginaldoll.com. For as little as a dollar a month, you're able to keep this, the original doll James Rodriguez iconography up and running. Truly appreciate all the support from my Patreon patrons right now. And once again, 
If you have a question and if you have a letter of love you'd like to share with a creative, go to the website and put your email in there, put your message in there, and who knows, I may be reading it to a future guest. Now, back to the show. We're going to talk to Tracy about her time working as a background vocalist for Alia. How did you get involved in that? Well, singing background, you know, was one of my, that was my first love um, background. That actually is the thing that actually moved me from Indianapolis to Atlanta. I didn't want to do anything but sing background. (laughs) That was it. (laughs) That was my ambition. That was what I aspired to do. Uh, Sing background. I didn't think about writing a song or anything like that. So when I got here, um, I instantly started singing background on people's, you know, um, artists' albums and um, and really didn't think about um, going on a road with it. Until Aaliyah, Aaliyah, and actually Aaliyah was my only road background mm. uh, job. So, um, yeah, it was it was a great experience. Boy, it was a great experience because, of course, Aaliyah is iconic, and um, she's was a dear, 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 dear girl. She was so special. Um, that's like everyone says, she was an angel, you know, yeah, she was an angel. She cared about her people. She cared about the people she put around her. And, um, yeah, it was, it was really cool. You know, I have a couple of Aaliyah stories, but you know, um, Mm -hmm. a road stories, one in particular, uh, we were on the road. And she just didn't understand why she was at one hotel and, and her background singers were at another hotel and her band mm. was at another hotel. So she was like, why am I at this, you know, fancy, fancy? And my people have to stay at this other one that's not so fancy, fancy. And she mm. said she would definitely want us. She said, can you get them moved over to where oh. I am? So she did that. So that was amazing. Um that was good. That was a, I was like, oh, that's what I knew about her heart back then. I was like, her heart is a big heart. So, you know, and I just remember her always going around with um, uh, her Elmo. She had Elmo with her all the time. Elmo. <laughs> it was her thing, man. Always had a little Elmo and that took the trips with her. So that was that was real cool. That was a good experience. I, I not, but after that, I knew that I wanted to be in one place. Um, the 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 tour thing, not my thing, not my thing at all. But it was a good experience. So when you're touring with her, because this was, you know, around her second album, One in a Million. You know, with all those, I mean, those iconics and her work with Missy Timbaland Magoo, all of this, mm-hmm. you know, really revved up and changed the the pace for her uh and and i never she's one of those artists that i've always admired and being from chicago seeing her around chicago i was just always excited to see her and there was always something that i really loved about her like even during interviews where she was just enjoying being the place at that moment and Mm. i've always had a hard time talking about her without talking about the first album or you know the her early music and for those people those those people get what i what i'm kind of leaning into oh, but wow. i think it's it's so difficult when you have such a great artist and so many people want to talk about that salacious part and not mm-hmm. talk about 
this human being that was a rock star. And I think the first album helped her get out there. I think the second album solidified her as her own artist. She was able to make (laughs) an album that was sonically completely different and it was believable and it was genuine and it was this natural progression. And, you know, we, we lost her way too soon. I like honoring this because that second album with all those songs, hot, like fire. If your girl only knew four page letter, the amount of times I would sing a four, like I was telling a boy that I didn't have, like I was going to send a four page letter. (laughs) Hey, and and seal it with a what kiss. Let's do it. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, just fire after fire after fire record was just incredible. And that first album wasn't so shabby either. It was just like, you know, that was mm-hmm. an amazing piece of work, you know, um, whatever. Um, but the second album was just like one after the other. You Just one of those albums that with no skips, you know, mm-hmm. no skips. I love no skip albums. <laughs> and, and that's, <laughs> this was like that, this was like that golden time for it. And it's like, um, uh got to give uh, like uh all these she had like two covers on that album and something about her and that just in general when you listen to her voice it's so different i mean she's the the princess of r&b you know what i mean and i truly think okay when you listen to her voice it feels like her she is right up against the mic and you can almost just hear her lips touch make syllables it was crazy i don't know who mixed her stuff but it was so crispy and like she was singing in your ear if that Mm -hmm. makes sense like she was singing in your ear like it was only you and her and y'all was just she was just singing in your ear and telling you how the song goes you know um the little remake when i feel what i feel you know say like it was just so soft and pretty and and you always wanted to know, can she do that live? Because is it is it if people mm-hmm. hear her live because it's so sweet and so pure and pretty, but it worked live too, honey. Let me tell you, it was good. It was really good. Well, and that was one of those things I remember early on. People were like, Oh, she probably can't sing. She probably because of course she's a woman that's successful. They're like, she probably can't do this live. They don't say that about the the counterpart men or anything, but mm-hmm. women always have to prove themselves in there. Always. And I remember, and this is the crazy thing, is that, you know, she had three studio albums out. The second was the huge, huge game changer for everything. And she, I mean, she was going to MTV Spring Break. She was going to, you know, The Tonight Show. She was doing all these. So let me ask you, when you're going on the road with an artist, how how do you handle learning, let's say, even new songs that maybe the audience, do you know what I mean? Like in general, because there are a lot of times where an artist might release an album and then tour after. A lot of times, some of those rehearsals start before that. Do you tend to, in that moment, as a as a background singer, did you go, okay, I know her first album, they might be doing some of these. Do you go back and listen to those to get familiar with it? Or do you teach yourself new for you know, your own? Well, you know experience? what? You Thank God her music was saturated over the radio, it really wasn't nothing you had to learn because you mm-hmm. already knew songs. If it was, you know, the, the songs she was going to perform, they were definitely on the radio. And and if you were a fan, which we all were, background mm-hmm. singers, 
we all knew the songs, you know what I'm saying? We just had to decide who what part was going to be ours, you know, what, what, what note you're going to sing. But besides that, I knew all the words before we even hit the second album too. The, before we <laughs> even hit the road is like, you know, the words, you don't, that ain't the problem. It's, the problem is like um, just getting your part and sticking to your part. And luckily I had Aaliyah's part, you know what I'm saying? Like I had the main note. So I didn't have to learn all the, the the intricate harmonies that everybody else had to learn. <laughs> but and it was cool. How many different background singers were there on the road with you? I think it was three of us. It was three of us. And so then <laughs> so then in a in a situation like that, how does it, you know, ultimately who's the decision maker to go, okay, Tracy, you're gonna do basically main, like who and you know, this person's gonna do the higher harmony. Is that a music director's job? Is it the label? Who ultimate, or is it you all get together and go, I can hit these notes. We're good. You're good. Great. Yeah. Usually the girl, the, well, the, one of the background singers that was with us, she, uh, she was actually in charge of hiring the other two. Mm. So she hired me and she hired the other girl and um, she, all, she already knew how we sung. So she already knew who was going to do what and what song she, and what note she was going to do too so it was pretty easy i was like i jumped at the chance because then i was you know um working in between music um or you know the regular job and they said hey you want to go on the road i said absolutely yes mm -hmm. let's do that let's go to let's go on the road <laughs> so then how do you handle then and we're talking about this experience that you had because your first hand, how do you handle? So let's say if an artist is coming down with a cult where maybe they, they're not going to be able to hit those notes, not that they can't sing the whole thing, but how do you do that? Cause I've, we've had music directors for Britney Spears, Spice Girls, several other people, Kylie Minogue. And we talk about that. And so many times they say, you know, at a certain point being on the road, voices get exhausted. You might have to and this was shocking to many people is that sometimes the version you hear live, maybe even a half step lower or something may change from the album version because you need that longevity to be able to sing that. How did that sort of thing come to play for you? Yeah, you, they had artists have no problem lowering the key. And that comes with that. That does come with a good musical director that can actually um, say, hey, band, we got to go a little lower for this today. You know what I'm saying? And because mm -hmm. um, they ain't going to be able to reach those high notes and this and that. So they work with the artists like that. And then, you know, of course, if she's shifting down, everybody got shift down. So uh, that <laughs> got shift down. We all shifting. <laughs> and you just got to learn how to do that. Because but once you hear the music playing in another key, you know what key, you, you know, you know what key you're singing in. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, it's all good after that. But yeah, definitely got to learn how to rock and roll with the different keys. And that day, they might not just be able. Kelly Clarkson does it all the time. She say, hey, I'm not feeling this today. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to give you my best. So I ain't giving you nothing. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I love me. Some Kelly, that's my, my favorite artist. So <laughs> love her. I love her. Love. But she, she's also one of those people, too, that is like, you know, you want to sing those songs, but you also know there's a strain on that voice that like going mm -hmm. through this. And, and uh, I remember, uh, you know, an artist like pink 
where she mm, said her song. My other favorite artist. Oh, she's so good. Her song, uh, Blow Me, Blow Me One Last Kiss, where mm-hmm. there's, it's almost like a step up at one part of it. And she's like, I cannot do that live. So she's, when she sings, she's like, y'all ready to, you know, sing this with me? Exactly. And she starts singing it and it goes that you could tell when Adele does it too. Put that microphone to the audience. Let them yep. handle the lion's share of that. Yep. Am I going to get some of this money? Because I'm sure I'm sure performing tonight. The audience mm-hmm. is like, I'm sure performing tonight. Can, can I get a clap? <laughs> Do I get any royalties on this? Is that for real? But Give so me. then, how did, did you ever have any sort of situations on the road where like maybe the sound was off, where like you couldn't hear the band? Like, because those sorts of things happen where there's the technical side of it. Did you ever encounter any of those? things got a story about that too let me tell you uh not a good not a great story but at madison square garden um the 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 um the song where you was it when you come back out like the uh encore encore there you go uh the encore song was the one i gave the one i gave my heart to mm-hmm. the 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 band actually one person in the band, um, which was the musical director actually, started the song in another key than what Aaliyah was singing in. Now we heard the other key. After they started, Aaliyah could not get that key. Like she Mm -hmm. she could not hear it some kind of way in the, the monitors or whatever, they weren't mixing. So it was like the, she was singing in a whole nother key than Oof. the keyboard player was playing in. And so, of course, they were just really um, not mixing. And the crowd started to boo. Oh. And then she walked over to us, to uh, her background vocals, and we all leaned over and gave her the key. And she mm-hmm. went back out. Like, she walked back to the center of stage, and she started singing in the right key, and everybody started to cheer. So, yeah, there's some technical difficulties. <laughs> he yep. just had um, it's something it's musical that I don't know, but he that hadn't um, modulated or something yep. down, do his keyboard some kind of way uh, that would change the note of that um, in between songs. He just kept on playing from the last song. So um, it jacked everything up for mm-hmm. about, I don't know, probably about a minute, maybe it was the longest minute in the mm-hmm. world. <laughs> so long. Well, and it's, but this also speaks to, the talent she has with her ear to be able to pick it up from you all and go with it. Cause I'm assuming yeah. keyboardist is still playing the other version. And yep. I always tell people, I go, it's like when you're, you're in chorus or choir and there's that one person that's going off and you're just, you're trying not to hear it, but you keep leaning towards that. You and, know what I mean? Yes. And you don't know what your ear doesn't know, know what it wants to hear. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's hearing one thing in, in the monitor and hearing another thing actually uh, in another ear. He's hearing mm-hmm. no, think so yeah it's um it's a mess it was a mess it was a train wreck and then it cleared itself out but it was good (laughs) it turned out good but you know i think the whole band was fired after that she kept us though she kept it back there you go there you go (laughs) because we we kind of saved the day but uh yeah the whole the whole band had to go it was crazy well and it's it's one of it's one of those things where it's like you are on stage you're working wit live not just in the studio doing something else where somebody can do this is live you have to figure out what's happening and you're also a human being that is seeing this happening and you're hearing the audience booing and that's just got to be a you know a punch to the gut where it's like this Mm -hmm. is not 
people this is because you knew what was happening you're like this this is not her this is yeah, it's definitely not you know, her like like you know that but the audience does not know no. that uh, so you know she was crushed because all she could say after that show was because it was a a brilliant show all the way up to the end song the encore uh brilliant she did brilliant it was beautiful um right up to the end and she got back to the dressing room and she, I remember her saying, this is Madison Square Garden. I just oh, messed up. No. She was so crushed. She was just crushed. Like I made a mistake here, anywhere but here. Mm -hmm. And well, that's when her, her dad fired everybody. <laughs> mm -hmm. like, Lord God, please let us have our job though. <laughs> well, and the crazy thing is if this would have happened at the beginning of the show, she would have ended on that high note. You know what exactly. I mean? Like. But nah, it's a start that's like it's a song that was a was a a give. You know what I'm saying? Like we mm -hmm. were, you know, this is a bonus, the bonus song. Yeah. This is the encore, the bonus song. And and you screw, you know, they screw that up. You know, and it's also it's also difficult because I look and go, what sort of audience isn't appreciative of just seeing a whole show going great? And that last song, and then you're booing. Like, yeah. And and you can and the thing is. People may go, well, maybe they didn't know. It's like, no, you know, something's off. And you can tell by body language, too. Like, she wasn't just there and then just robot turned to see you. Like, she could clearly see or you could clearly mm -hmm. tell that there was something wrong. And I think it's it's that. I mean, there are so many amazing artists that have been booed for random yeah. things. And I just yeah, and I'm like, random. I feel like there's no place for booing at a at a concert like you if you don't no, want to be there don't no go there. idea what's going on behind mm -hmm. the scenes you have no idea you know it's you don't know what made that happen you know she walked over to the keyboard player first and didn't get that didn't get that note that she needed and then she had to walk all the way on the other side of the stage to us to to get the note so it was I'm sure it was a very cringe moment for her you know but you all were like the the lifelines to your point. You all stayed and and continued on. Yes, there you go. <laughs> so in a situation like that, when in, when you're on the road with her, what about those TV performances? Because we do oftentimes see when somebody is on the road that sometimes they make appearances on TV and and sing. Did you have any of those moments where you were involved in? a live performance on television. Do you know what I mean? Cause it's like oh, yeah. sometimes some of them just do, you know, pre-recorded backgrounds and things like that to make it easier. Were you involved in any of the live televised performances? Never, never got to do any live thing. We did a, a only TV thing we did during that run was a UNICEF concert um, in 97 um, UNICEF. It was around Christmas and with Diane Warren and it was like Celine Dion was on the show mm -hmm. and it was great and I, I'm pretty sure they recorded it though I, it wasn't live you know mm -hmm. um, yeah it wasn't live though but it was still cool I think it's still I don't think they I see them stop though you know what I'm saying so yep. to us it was live because I don't think we could have you know if we jacked it up that was just it we would have jacked mm -hmm. it up <laughs> so then so you come to the end of the 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 contract, if you will, of you working as a background singer on that. Was there any, were you pretty much like, this is a one and done? Was there any talk of maybe you, because she didn't have an album that came out right after that, but was there any 
discussion about if she pops up and does anything, would you still be available? Oh, yeah, I know I would have still been available, but there was no like. When we left each other, I'm sure she was just like, these are my girls. You know, uh, we mm-hmm. left that kind of standing, but um, there was no talk of any other tour or even on the books or anything. So um, I would just hope that she would have called us again for the next mm-hmm. thing because you know? it was fun. You know, even though I wouldn't want to be a, 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 a road girl, you know, a girl that's on the road, but I would have did it for her because that's Aaliyah, you know, so. Absolutely. Oh, that's this is amazing. And this is the part that I love about this on the original doll going through like this, this iconography and these experiences, because not just you being a, a singer, a songwriter, but being able to play live, if you will, with with a huge and we're not talking about small Aliyah at that point is just on a rush riding through everything. And I remember they didn't anticipate that album doing so good right off the bat because it was so different, which always, always is a good thing when an artist tries mm-hmm. something different. Mm-hmm. And I remember th- I was like, are they- she's going to have her first ever huge headlining tour. And they're like, no, we're still trying to figure out she's going to be on this radio tour. She's going to be on this. Cause that's the yep. thing that people. A bunch of radio. Yeah. A bunch of radio tours. Yeah. Cause that people it. were like, wait, she didn't have all these huge international tours. I'm like, no, these were all radio programming budweiser whatever even like let's mm-hmm. say pepsi tours and things like that yeah that yeah you all are popping uh, popping up okay we'll go there we'll go here we'll go there um yep. and singing those songs so closing up on this part what are two songs that you remember just going oh i loved singing that live with her um uh well if um if your girl only knew was the show opener and it was so funky that it was just it was fun to sing you know because it was so low if your girl only knew you know it was just you didn't have to really push but it was so cool and we had cool steps to it you know and it was just a really you know of course she she's dancing her ass off of course you mm-hmm. know too so it was just fun to look at her perform it and her background and her her dancers too you know they will probably leave you alone you'll probably touch you yeah i don't know the words but um yeah (laughs) (laughs) i love it like you um, you know the melody yeah well you know uh that that came that stayed in my head i guess but um the that song in um four page letter man me and that would be your song huh yeah, mm-hmm. four page letter. Were there any that harmonies? Good, yeah, that good, that good <laughs> harmony. In it, you know, what I'm saying yes. So that was fun to sing because that way you, you really got to show what you can do as a background vocalist. You know, so that was cool. And that to me, in in the part of the show, like that always solidified. She can sing, and she can surround herself with people that know about vocals, because it was not a throwaway section. It was not. It's as simple as A, B, C. This was like, let's figure this out. Let's not do too much, but we need to make it so complex that it seems simple. And, and it's so syncopated that the, the beat is so syncopated that she daggone it. She's singing at the same time as she's doing those little cute, cute steps. It's, it was a good, it was this, her whole thing was a trance. You know what I'm saying? Like you just, you're stuck in a trance and you're just, you cannot take your eyes off of it. So, Yeah. 
it happened and it was good. It was really good. Listeners, now we're going to talk about somebody else that she worked with, which is a another vocalist and dancer. And that would be Maya. And Maya, <laughs> Maya who... I mean, once again, you're working with all these queens with one name. You know what I mean? Like, this is this is amazing. And Maya, Aliyah, Brandy, who we talked about in a previous episode, everyone, if you haven't checked that out, go ahead and check it out, where these were women that were all on the charts at the same time. Mm-hmm. These were women. And for me, I remember thinking, you know, but with the last name of Rodriguez, like many people are like, well, what was your life like? I was like, well, people treated me like I had the last name of Rodriguez in many situations. And, okay, period. Yeah. And so I was like, I go, when any of these strong women came out, and I mean, strong in the sense of like, they had their own persona, their own identity. They went out there and can knock out a slow song, sultry, and that fast song. I loved like Alia, like, that you know the crop top and then the baggy jeans. It, she was always this whole still. okay. And, and, she's tiny, <laughs> and it was just and it was just like and then they have this like personality that is so big and it made me drawn to these women and all of these women impacted me and impacted many gay men in general because of that. And I, I was asked before, like, what do you think it is? I go, I think it's because they played with the what we would say masculinity and femininity that they can play with those. And Mm -hmm. I go, and I didn't know at that time, I was like, but I like what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And when Maya came out and now everyone, we're going to get to the song that you all have been asking me tons and tons of questions about, which is case of the X. This song is like the song that keeps on giving. Anytime somebody's like, James, do you know the song? And I'm like, isn't it great? Like I never shame people for not knowing it. I'm like, It is so good. So let's rewind, rewind back. Everyone, if you saw this video right now, both of us are like, we're in like heaven right now. Get ready to talk about the song. Cheese in our heart. (laughs) (laughs) So, so let's, let's do this. So let's talk about how you got into the Maya atmosphere. How did this come about? Man, first of all, James, you're asking me stuff that I don't remember how it came about, but I just know that she was, uh, she was definitely um, brought into the Red Zone camp because they wanted some records, you know? Their people mm-hmm. wanted records. And uh, we were going to give it to them. And uh, she stayed in that building for quite a little bit of time. And um, so everybody, every room that was in that building got a piece, you know, got to do something, you know? Um, and... Um, I want to go back a little bit, though, James. You was talking about all those those powerful women being out at the same time. Mm-hmm. What I like about it is they stayed out of each other's way. Did mm. you do you notice that they really never released the album at the same time? Like Aaliyah never released the album when Brandy was releasing the album. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like it, all that Maya never waited waited for like. Aaliyah and Brandy. It was almost like a, they they had a, like a little rotation that okay, my yep. album's about to come out now, you know, and I'm gonna give you space to get that started, and then I'm gonna come out with mine, you know, that kind of thing. It was never it was it seemed like super respectful, you know, to each other, and mm-hmm. I don't know if they did. I'm, I'm pretty sure they probably did that on purpose, you know, but um, it's it's cool. So 
Um, but yeah, you know, those in those times, the artists did the rounds to producers. And, you know, when we took our crack at it, I think we we did it, we did pretty good. Mm. <laughs> they gave her one of her biggest songs. In the UK, it's silver certified, 200,000 copies. Australia, it's platinum. This song not only hit well here in the States, everywhere else in the world was playing this song. And I remember when I first heard it, I was like, what am I listening to? This is so weird. I am so drawn in and so confused. And it was like this juxtaposition of those vocals she has with that grittiness of, you know, the the production of it. So how did this song get created? Was it like there were beats happening? You you had lyrics because there, there are many people we have. Here we go. Uh, Chester from Germany, original doll with James Rodriguez. Please, please tell songwriter Tracy Hale that Case of the X is one of the finest songs ever written. And dang, those lyrics are tight and right. I heard the lyrics were taken from Tracy's real life. Girl, spill the tea. Can you ask if it's hard to write about something that personal? And can you also mention how good Tracy always sounds anytime she's involved in any of these, whether it's her lyrics or her voice? She's a godsend talent. Did Tracy know her vocals were going to be on this thing? And we can go, dang, girl, you got it. You got it good. And F that man. <laughs> yes, man. Come on. I want to hug whoever that is. I want to hug, hug them all. I want to just go to Germany and hug them. Okay. They deserve hugs and kisses. Yes, they do. <laughs> it's so good. Um, oh, man. Let me tell you the story on this. The tea. I'm sure it's just amazing. It's an amazing story. Let me set the scene. Okay. So I'm coming in. I, I'm pretty sure Tricky already had that track going. And I was probably late to the studio, like I always am. Uh, (laughs) I came to the studio and um, when I got there, I was already in tears because of that man. You know, I was Mm -hmm. already boohooing, just crying and saying, I don't want to work because I just don't feel like working. I can't stand it. And uh, Tricky said, hey, let's do that. Let's put that in the song. You know, let's do it. Let's like put your feelings out. Don't go home. Do it on, you know, do it on this song. So I told him the whole story. I said, hey, there's this this guy that I'm, you know, the guy that I had been with for a while. Um, his girlfriend, not, not girlfriend, his actual baby mama um <laughs> his, Ooh, um, not a baby his, mama uh, his, yeah his um the mother of his child was calling relentlessly um and i was really feeling like he still had feelings for her because he was accepting her call all the time and and then finally cuz i'm just that girl i uh i taped a conversation because i had to set it up where i taped it and um she was definitely trying to get back in and I was trying to keep him. I don't know mm-hmm. why at the time, but it turned out great because, you know, he was turned out to be the my my um, my, my son's dad. But um, so that was good about it. But um, it was just relentless. And I think he was um, she was just on the on the phone. She was just saying, you need to make a decision. Um 
And it was like, he was always creeping, but it was always a phone thing. She would, cause she didn't live in the city. Mm. So, um, yeah, that was just really a stressful, stressful time. Um, and it just made me all hurt up and everything. So that's why you get those lyrics. They're so doggone angry because <laughs> it's after midnight and she's on your phone, you know, then we had to throw a little satire in there uh, saying, come over. Cause she's all alone. You know, that didn't happen, but come on. I can mm-hmm. tell it's your ex by the way you're talking. Come on. <laughs> what does she talk about after so long? What is it that she wants? Mm-hmm. What is it that she needs? You know what I'm saying? Um, he was in a big group then, you know, and I was like, you know, she's a gold gold digger. Maybe, you know, she maybe wants your money. Did she hear about, you know, that was fictional brand new bins that you just bought for me. Nah, no, that didn't happen. (laughs) And and then, so we can put the smoke on it, put the smoke on it so nobody knows who I'm talking about. I said, because y'all didn't have no kids, but they did. They had kids. (laughs) Maybe they won't know who I'm talking about if I say y'all. CYA, cover your, ooh. (laughs) Exactly. Didn't share no mutual friends, you know, and it was just like, what you going to do? You know, are you going to stay with me? Or are you going to say no? Or are you going to go with it? You know, that was, and it was just the dilemma. And so that's why we called it a case. It was a case of the, the, ah, nice. always coming to the case of the ex. Like, wow, let's solve this thing. What is, what's going on? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so that's, that's the gist of it there, James. You know, it was, it was trauma, but it was, Good trauma that is still, like you said, it's the song that will not die. And mm. I don't want it to. <laughs> so no. and the good thing, and for for listeners, if you don't know the song, that's okay. Go to iTunes, buy it. You're gonna have fun. We're still gonna talk about it a little bit more. But the great thing too is even the video, y'all can buy the video, you can watch it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. That video is badass. So let me ask you mm-hmm. this. So you create the song. When did you find out that? Maya was going to cut it. Um, I was, I remember this. I was at Disney, uh, Disney World. <laughs> See, I don't remember. It much. was the happiest place on earth. It was the happiest <laughs> day on earth that day. It was the happiest place on earth. Um, uh, yeah, they said, yeah, she's cutting it right now. We need a bridge on the song. Yeah, because it didn't have a bridge yet. So that's when that magnificent bridge that tab to be so necronai <laughs> uh and i wrote uh why is she on the phone in the middle of the night take back this ring you know which was true i was engaged i was so yeah so that was it that was cool (laughs) so yeah that would happen i was very happy that she was you know cutting it and it was going to be a single you know i knew that back then that i knew it was going to be a single so that that's the part that's amazing because so many people they're like James, can you talk about these lyrics? Because so many times 
especially when you're you're like a huge part of the the lyrical creation of it you can go i know exactly where my head was at at that moment yeah Yeah. (laughs) and i don't know many songs either james i don't know i can't tell you a lot of songs that i do know that though like i'm you ask me about some other song i might say i can't tell you we make up we make up a lot of these scenarios because we don't really have a life you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. Uh, so we make up some stuff It's, it's a lot of fiction that goes in these songs too so um but that one was not fiction all the way. <laughs> did she did she turn tricks back when they broke up in 96? Yeah, yeah, no. She did not turn tricks when they broke up in 96. No, she didn't. <laughs> she was a very, very nice Catholic girl, I'm sure. But um, she was, you know, she was she was a, she was a good girl. So funny though. She, I don't think she even knows that this Uh-oh. song is about her. Because guess what? We're so cool now. After our, me and my my uh, ex-husband, we divorced and everything. Uh, maybe a couple years ago, we start following, me and the girl start following each other on um, Instagram. We are, when I, we are tight as, so, well, you Well, your know. kids are half siblings. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, uh does your yeah. does your does your family know that the song is about her? Oh, absolutely. Everybody, everybody around me. And he knows the song was about him too. So yeah, that's it. That's it, man. I got so much dirt on that, man. You'd be here. We'd be here all day. You'd be like, what in the world? Because he was in a very, very big, big uh Group two, Grammy Award winning group. So yeah, ooh, ooh, <laughs> so, ooh. as the people are his, click 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 click, they're yeah, like exactly looking at exactly his dad. Like my my son's dad is you know. So it was just like I just did not believe that whole relationship. But we have never brought it up again. Like after that song came out, it has never been uttered out of our lips ever again. Like that whole situation will never come up. But she's sweet as pie. Now, do you hear me? <laughs> yeah, for a second, for a second, I thought you said that whole situation, not a whole okay, situation. That whole, that, that whole in that situation. No, not the whole in the situation. <laughs> not the whole. You know, she was the whole back then, but no, she turned into a very nice girl. So <laughs> I was just really speculating at the time in the song, and you know, just threw that out there just to see. And 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 and, and hey, James. A lot of women couldn't identify. So mm-hmm. how about that? They were like, hey, I got a girl that's calling my guy too. Relentlessly. Cool. There you go. I did. You know what's interesting is the amount of people that said that they loved that song that they were like, and many people were like, it was a snapshot of my first boyfriend, my first. And they're like, they can't get over it. And when they listen to it together, they're like, oh, it brings back. And then they also go, in retrospect, I was sweating about this thing that is so it's such, but in the moment, it feels like this big explosion thing. And now looking back, it's like a little blip on on the radar. But I think it connected to so many people because mm-hmm. you're you're drawn in by the story. You're like, ooh, because the whole thing is we're not talking about you being an other woman or anything like that. This is saying that relationship ended, or so I thought. Like, is the are the emotions still there? Still it's there? not you're are coming you into there? this. 
Just yep. tell me if you're still feeling her or not. Tell mm-hmm. me because we can. I can move on amicably, and we can just move on. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but you can't play us both. You can't be trying to decide. And that is what it was, Jane. It was a. He was making a major decision in his life. Should he go back? Because we didn't have kids yet. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, so should I go back and be with my family, raise my kids, and do this again, or? Can I stay here with the, the new girl? I was the new girl. Yeah. And and do this life. Mm-hmm. And I was so happy at the time that he chose me. But, you know, I don't know. I fought something. Sometimes, girls, we fight for stuff that we don't need. We, <laughs> we, don't. we fight for stuff that, hey, mm-hmm. that ain't even for you. But, you know, we learn, mm-hmm. we live, we learn. And we get some good stuff out of it, like sons that are amazing. So <laughs> there you so. go. See, I, this is the part that I love because the other thing too is I think part of the that that production, those beats and everything, it's such a juxtaposition from what the lyrical content is. You're like, oh, this is a hard song. This is just going to keep going, and like it could have easily been this dance song. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but when you listen to the lyrics, and this is, I think, the brilliance of the discography of. Maya is that she's always been somebody that's been able to give top-notch lyrical content in there mm-hmm. and allowing the creatives to be creatives in this. Mm-hmm. And so when I listen to this, the beat draws you in, the lyrics keep you there. Mm-hmm. And I had people, it was like, Felicia said, who's the damn man that did this? Let's go on <laughs> him down now. <laughs> another, oh, another one we have, Kim said, Ooh, we want to know who this man is so we can look at his Instagram and be like, fail, fail, fail. Fail, 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 fail. <laughs> Shoot. Uh, He's, he, we, and, and, and the bad thing is this, we get along too. It was way better apart. That's all. That's all. It was just never supposed to happen. Uh, we're so cool. We're so cool now. So don't go beat him up, y'all. Please don't. Please don't go beat him up. He's you know over 20 years and things change you know what i mean but i think the funny thing is we hear the story and this was the brilliance of of songwriting is that it made us all feel like we wrote this song Mm -hmm. that this was our story you know the the man that i broke up with at that point i was like i know you're messaging your ex and it was just no you're doing it i know everybody got it i'm trying to tell you everybody said i know you are still talking with your ex mm-hmm. for whatever reason mm-hmm. is there still something there that you do you want to savor something if is it something that you want to salvage don't mm-hmm. do it you know so yeah it's a mess but yeah it, i was very happy 20 years later when Issa ray picked that for yes. instance, like case the ex because it was a case the ex from what i understand and the, i didn't watch the insincere i mean the yeah um insecure. episode but Insecure, there you go. Um, secure episode, but it was her ex. I do know the backstory about it. Her oh, ex, such was, a great show, such a great I was show. Like, yes, man, it's, it's very good because I'm, 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 I just got to do with the first season, and um, mm. I'm, I'm watching it now. It's so good. It's so good, so good. So, so yeah. Um, I haven't got up to the episode where they actually use the song but i can't wait to get to it so i can see the real the reason why and all that stuff and a whole new generation of people heard that song and they felt it too and i think that's also the brilliance of the the song itself that 
two decades later, it is still hitting people that it still has a connection that it doesn't seem dated, that it doesn't seem out of place. And so easily songs around the two thousands could sound dated in age. It could. Yeah. So we did have a question from Matt who asked on certain versions of the single, it says case of the X, what you're going to do. And others just say case of the X. Hmm. Why would they add what you're going to do? And I think what he's referring to is like on the 12 inch and different ones where it's mm-hmm. what you're going to do. I love when it says um, case of the X, what you're going to do, because people don't actually know that the song is called case of the X. They do not know that. Um, they know it by, you know, what you're going to do, you know, what you, mm-hmm. when you can't say, cause that's what we say the most. We never say case of the X in a song. Mm-mm. So sometimes when we, we want to name a song, another thing that kind of, uh encompasses the whole song we'll name it something you know frosted flakes and it's not even about frosted you know like it's about frosted flakes but it never mentions frosted flakes in the songs so we will then go to the word that it actually is is um the hook you know Mm -hmm. of the song um the chorus of the song so that is what come up first what you're gonna do and that's what we say the most so that was the alternative name. We always put that in parentheses so we can just come back. Because when people are looking for the song, they can find it. How about mm-hmm. that? Because they're not going to put in case of the X. They're probably going to put in what you're going to do. Yep. You know? Yeah. And this and see, this is the part that I love because so many people are like, I get it now. I get it. Like, so the parentheses could be, okay, this is the title you might know it as. All You know, it's like a mm-hmm, Arthur's mm-hmm. theme when you get caught, you know, caught between the moon and New York City sort of exactly. thing where you're like, what, what song is that? Go buy the song right now. Put on those headphones and listen. And you might be able to hear Tracy's voice on this. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it. oh me, yeah. Me and Maya sing a very good duet. No. <laughs> like, like we, I really tried to morph into... I did try to morph into Maya. Uh, I love, first of all, let me just talk about how much I love Maya. Maya is somebody who stays consistent. Like Mm -hmm. she stays, um, she is just as fly as she was back then. And she is just, she brings it. She still dances. She still, you know, I don't uh, have contact with many artists that I've worked with, but me and her still have contact and she is, a just amazing person. If ever there's anything on Instagram that case the X or something is tagged to, she always tags me to to it. Mm. She always brings me to that page or a little baby dancing to it. She'll tag me to it. She's the sweetest ever, you know. So I, I appreciate that because some most artists they'll forget all about who mm-hmm. did what. They don't know. And most artists, unlike her, and I'll just say in my experience of doing this for as long as I have, most artists don't like promoting a song that they didn't write on or produce. Exactly. And exactly. this is what I like pointing out. This is at the time where if Maya wanted to take writing credit or something like that, she could have because, have. you know, at the height of it and she chose not to. And I think that speaks to who she she was is. and is. Mm-hmm. And, and is, yes. I think... I don't want that to get lost because so many times we hear about all these artists are bad for this and that. I go, there's a lot of artists who don't. There are a lot Mm -hmm. of artists who are like, 
that's a great song. You know what I mean? I Maya made it her own. You know, like the whole time it I'm is. like, it's, it's who screwed hers. Maya over? I was like, who screwed Maya over? Okay, I'm- exactly. It's definitely hers. Let me tell you. And she, who knows? She probably had a story like that too. So she was like, oh, I feel this. Let me go mm-hmm. ahead and sing this is with authority. You know? <laughs> yep, yep. And that's why I've loved doing this because Maya fits into an icon status easily mm-hmm. 100%. She's an artist that, was able to create a lane for herself amongst mm-hmm. a very, very group of complicated artists mm-hmm. that she was her own individual artist. And, you know, I, I look back at, at her discography or as I say, iconography, and I just am always in awe because she's an artist that was able to take risks that maybe some other artist chose not to, for whatever reason, case of the X was a vastly different song than the lead single from here and some people may say "Ooh, that's a little too risky you know and what was the, what was the lead sing- single from that the um, best of me come on now yeah okay see you always got the what i need to know i should tell you yeah <laughs> and and so with with like the best of me as the lead single from from the album it was sonically different than case of the x and mm-hmm. Casey the X was once again bringing everybody up going, she's like, hey, I can do that R&B thing. I can do this R&B dance pop thing too. Like, you know, okay. Swiss Beats got me here. Tricky got me here. We're we're all we're all gravy. Oh, love. Yeah. I, I, I was just sitting here laughing. We're looking at each other. We're laughing. But uh, I'm like, this guy is a walking encyclopedia. This is what that's what's going through my head right now. <laughs> Everyone needs one. Of, everybody needs a set of you. How about that? Set of you. <laughs> A set of Jameses. This <laughs> I mean, Lord have mercy. I promise you guys, I have learned more in the last few weeks that uh, just about me in general than, than, I've, than I know in my whole life. I promise you, my whole adult life. So this is good. Hats off to you. Mm-mm-mm. It's This is the fun part. And also the fact that there's so many musicians and artists that have made music that have touched people. And it doesn't have to be you know, this ballad that you've you've done continually, it could be this song where you're like, you know what, this is, and I like saying, I like saying strength in it because all these statements are like, oh, th- who's this about? It's not, I'm sitting in the corner of there. I'm being an active participant in my life going, mm-hmm. what is this? What are you doing? I thought you said A, B, C, D. So mm-hmm. did you lie to me about A, B, C, D? Yeah, that's it. Because if you keep talking that way, you might get, you might lose your D. But I think <laughs> you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're gonna definitely use your D. You know what I'm saying? You can you can forget about that D. <laughs> forget about that D. That D ain't coming. He is not coming. So then looking back at this, from the time that this was actually created, from that 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 session that you had until it was on this album, how much time was that? Because this also lets us know, you know, time frame. Because was this one of those where this was the album was already kind of being created or was this early on in pre-production or I'm not sure where we were um, in um, the progression of the album. I don't know how mm-hmm. much she had done before she even got to us. Um, Cause I do not remember that. I don't know if she had already probably started on the album before mm-hmm. that, but I do know this. I do know that it wasn't that long after I got the word that it was, a done deal that it came out. It seemed like it all 
every song I've probably ever been involved with, it seems like it didn't take long. Mm -hmm. So it seems like almost like, so to answer your question, I, it feels like we were always the last on the list to get to. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? We were always the last stop, you know, mm -hmm. stop our red zone, you know, and get some songs, you know, so that I think that was what it is. Cause, cause when you were the last stop, it's not too many weeks. You got to wait for stuff to start dropping, you know what I'm saying? Or, or they have already dropped a single already and they're just finishing up an album that used to mm -hmm. happen back in too you got one single out already and yep. you're just finishing up so yeah that was that was cool to be the last people because you you can actually just bring the real fire because you know what the other stuff sounds like <laughs> that's and, and the other thing too is that that by that point a and r the label knows even the artist maya knew okay there's this part of the album that is not covered. We're missing something. We're missing something. And it's usually that. It's you always, always that. They always come to AR, always comes in and said, We're missing this. And um, and and then you got a chance to deliver it, which is awesome. That's mm -hmm. good. Your little heads up about what's missing, you know. Now we're coming up on another Maya song that you contributed to, and that's Raiden. And it was released back in 2007. Now what's interesting is, and if people listened, we talked about Case of the X was 2000. This is 2007. We have Herman from Portugal. James, I got your email with links to, on songs to buy. I bought Raiden. I didn't know the song until you talked about it. Can you ask Tracy Hale how it feels to work with Maya or have Maya on a song years and years later? Is it cool to see growth in artists? Thank you so much. First of all, it's really cool to see people that you actually like in this building, you know, in this business again, you know, and you get to work with them again. You're like, ah, thank you. Cause they're, you know, far and in between, but um, yeah, people grow and people have a whole, and you know, people would have had, would have had created a, a whole different way to work too. You know what I'm saying? Cause you grow a lot and, six years or whatever, um, you you want to be involved more. You have a lot more to say because you got you've been, you got some tenure now in the business. So um, it's always good working with Maya um, because like we have a picture of us just sitting on the floor, me and her just sitting on the floor. Like you could tell we were just in deep thought, just thinking because, mm. you know, she liked the brainstorm. She's a brainstormer. So um those are those are always good conversations um to have as a creative you know trying to figure out which way to go so um yeah that is it's it's always good to see how people have grown and they see how you've grown you know and yeah be back up again so that is that. good i love that and everyone just so you know on us radio Case of the X is Maya's most played song in U.S. history as a lead artist, and Raiden comes in at number seven. 
hop on out because if you are a fan of Maya, check out my previous interviews with Maya. We actually go through her entire debut album track by track, and she lets us know what she would have wanted from this album. What were the singles that she maybe wanted? What were some of the music videos that maybe in her mind she had? And most importantly, what she wanted to express to the world as her first time out. You can check it out at the original Dal Iconography. Make sure you subscribe, like. And if you are a fan of Tracy, have no fear. We have more with her coming up. And don't forget, go to theoriginaldoll.com, scroll down, and leave a letter of love about a song that we maybe haven't talked about or maybe one of the ones in this episode. And then put any questions that you do have. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram, the.original.doll. Let people know about this. And in many of these episodes, we have bonus tracks or hidden tracks. So make sure you listen to the end. My name is James Rodriguez. This is the original doll, Iconography. I'll see you on the flip side.